the latest in agricultural media and some smart conversation. This is the Ag Communicators Network podcast, and here's your host, Kelsey Litchfield. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the AgCom Network Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Litchfield, and we are on episode 20 of this podcast. And first today, I just want to thank everyone who has tuned into the episodes, to our guests who have shared their knowledge and wisdom with us, and to AAEA for their support of this podcast. None of this would have come to fruition without this community, and I am forever grateful for all of you. On today's episode, I'm joined by Amy Rohde, who's the Director of Communications for the Illinois Soybean Association. Our topic for today is association communications, and Amy shares her experience and passion for serving this industry through her work and how she works towards providing information for the agriculture industry. Amy and I talked about her career path and how she came to work for the Illinois Soybean Association. We also discussed finding volunteer opportunities that fit your skill set while you're working and how she wears all the hats as a director of communications and also how communicators can stay up to date on emerging media trends and how to think outside the box. Plus, so much more will be covered on today's episode. And one of the many things I pulled from this episode, there's quite a few, but the one sticking thing that I'm leaving with is how membership associations like AAEA can truly create community and facilitate an environment of connection and networking between professionals. So with that, I don't want to give too much away. Let's go ahead and dive in. Amy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. And association communications is not something we've covered yet here on the podcast. And as a individual, young professional who works for a chamber of commerce, I'm really excited to dig into this topic today. So thank you again for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm always excited to talk a little bit more about what association communicators do and then also how AEA can help them and, and what the role of membership is as well. Definitely. And we'll dig into membership and all that good stuff a little later on. But before we get to that, I always ask everyone briefly, share your resume, tell us kind of how you got to the director of communication seat at Illinois Soybean Association. So I grew up on a dairy farm about an hour and a half south of Chicago. And this was late 90s when dairy farming was pretty tricky. And I realized that at an early age that I didn't want to farm but I found myself sitting on the couch reading a lot of farm magazines. And I realized that one of the things that I was passionate about or that I might want to try is to help provide farmers with information so that they could make better decisions. And that's really what's got in my career is that passion around helping the industry, around helping people, around serving the industry. So I went to the University of Illinois and I studied agricultural communications. I thought I might want to be a lobbyist or I thought I might want to work in communications and work for a farm magazine. And then I did a couple internships, including one at Hordes Dairyman and was really excited about magazine publishing and the opportunities that it provided are the readers that it provided the industry and just sort of like the design possibilities. And based on that passion, I went to the uh, to Northwestern University after the University of Illinois and then received a master's degree in journalism with a specialization in magazine publishing and also a specialization in business reporting. 
And what I liked about those is that it really captured my interest in magazines, but I was also very serious about the business side of things. Mm -hmm. And during grad school, phenomenal program at Northwestern, I also wanted to learn a little bit more about the cultural differences, having grown up on a farm and having attended a land-grant university really wanted that that cultural difference and that cultural experience. And that's when food was really hot. So we ended up working on a food magazine, mm -hmm. which was fascinating as our final project. And I wrote a story about goat cheese. And I was the only person in my class from an agriculture background. So that provided a lot of great opportunities just to talk about agriculture to have what I call like little mini ag lessons of the day on the subway. And then that experience, I think, really helped shape my career. So after that, I worked as a copy editor and page designer for the Danville Commercial News for about six months, so a daily paper. And then I worked for weekly newspapers for about two years down by St. Louis. And then I worked for Extension as a youth development educator. And sometimes people would ask me, how do you go from being a journalist to being a youth development educator? And like, what does that have in common? And wasn't that a hard shift? And for me, really, it was still about, you know, how do you help people? How do you provide information so that they can make better decisions and that so you can really, you know, make a positive difference in your community? And then for the last 10 years, I've been serving as the communications director for the Illinois Soybean Association. I really enjoy association communications and really enjoy working for a nonprofit organization. And again, you know, it goes back to the idea of, you know, I'm in a role where I can help provide people, whether it's farmers or if it's business people or if it's, you know, like legislators with information. So, again, hopefully they can make better decisions on behalf of all of us. Mm -hmm. Talk about that jump from 4-H youth development educator to association communications. Um, how did you find yourself at Illinois Soybean Association where you referred or what did that look like? So one of the things that I did while I was working for Extension is I maintained strong writing and strong media and strong communication skills. And so during that time, I actually served on the Jersey County Fair Board. And the Jersey County Fair Board was great because they really allowed people to pursue their passions in a way that helped the fair. So I was in charge of public relations for the fair association and was working you know, for an association and being an association member. So when we decided to move back to Champaign, I started looking at job opportunities and I looked at some things in the park district and I looked at, you know, youth development programs and was kind of torn about which direction I wanted to go and really found myself attracted to the communications opportunities and recognized that that's what I was passionate about. And um, I could still volunteer with other programs if I wanted to. In fact, I've coached youth sports since then, which is always kind of fun. Mm -hmm. But I think that one of the things that helps me as an association communicator is that I have a strong journalism background and that's where I got started. But I've also worked for, you know, another volunteer, you know, nonprofit organization with extension. And I think, and I also serve in leadership roles with different organizations. So I think sort of that combination for me, being association communications is really a natural fit. It allows me to work for a nonprofit. It allows me to, you know, work with volunteers, but at the same time, you know, I get to have fun with communications and I get to do some exciting work on behalf of our members. Right. Thanks for sharing that because I love seeing people's pathways to where they are now, how they figure out things that they do like, how they figure out things that maybe they aren't so passionate about, whether you're a young professional just starting or whether you're a seasoned veteran. It's really cool to see people's paths and how they lined up somewhere. Thanks for sharing. Is there anything else you want to add or any advice you want to add when it comes to finding that, uh, that career path that you're passionate about? I think one of the things is if you can't do what you want to do right now, 
find volunteer opportunities to do that. So even while I was working for Extension, you know, I was able to keep my communication skills fresh mm-hmm. by challenging myself in a different way. So one of the things that I found is that sometimes the volunteer work can lead to jobs. So if you're not able to do in your job what you want to do, if you can find volunteer work, that helps. So for example, when I was working at the newspaper, I was a volunteer for Extension and taught photography workshops. And then when I was working for Extension, I was a volunteer for the fair board and did public relations and communications. So that kind of allowed me to ladder up. And even now, uh, I do association communications, but I volunteer as a coach and help with youth sports. So it's kind of that balance. So if you're not sure what you want to do next, you want to keep your skills fresh, I would encourage people to find volunteer opportunities to do that. Awesome. That's really good advice. I'm glad you mentioned that because some people get so nervous, like, oh, I'm not really doing the things I want to be doing in my job right now. But rather than quitting and going on to another one, get out there, maybe take some classes at the local community college or volunteer or something that can um, drive you in the direction that you want to go. So, Amy, as director of communications, you probably play a lot of roles. What kind of different roles, what kind of different hats do you wear as a director of communications at um, an association? So I think directors of communications and, you know, people who are working for associations or even in other roles, we play a lot of different hats. And I think one of the things that makes, you know, association communications unique is that we have a balance of producing content through our own channels, but we're also trying to figure out what places we want to place our content as well. And I think association magazines are a good opportunity to look at that because one of the decisions that I'm making you know, for each issue of Soy Perspectives, which comes out six times a year, is what kind of editorial content do we want to provide? What kind of stories do we want to cover? What's happening in the industry? What is our take on those issues? You know, we're also selling advertising space in the publication. So, you know, what are the trends with advertisers? What are they interested? How do we adapt our communication channels to make sure that we have opportunities for them? What is our value proposition to our readers and to our advertisers? So that's one part of the job. The other part is that I'm also making decisions about what kind of content do we want to engage with? Um, what are the media opportunities for us to work with? What you know, magazines or publications or websites do we want to buy advertising on that so we can help reach our method? You know, what kind of social media tactics do we want to use? So there's this balance of kind of doing both, but then we're also working with a board of directors. And I think it's really important when you're working for a nonprofit, we spend a lot of time listening and listening to what our board members are interested in, listening to their priorities, you know, listen to, you know, other staff, to other industries, to the news, to try to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then there's a few other things too that I always think that are, you know, just good insights. So, I think a lot of us go into communications because we're really passionate about words or we're really passionate about images or we're really passionate about design, of which I love all of those elements. And I can geek out with a red pen or, you know, a good infographic any day of the week. However, people forget that as you move up, you're going to spend a lot of your time dealing with budgets and numbers and some of those things that maybe we didn't exactly go into communications because we wanted to work in Excel. Right. But I laugh with our accounting team that there are some days that I spend as much time in Excel as I do in Word because I'm trying to make decisions for, you know, for our projects and for our programs and trying to figure out, just like anybody else, what are the trade-offs? So, you know, one year we had 
the grower who hit 100 bushels for soybeans. And that was you know, exciting news that had not happened before. And the decision was that fall was, you know, do we want to invest in the time and the resources to be able to put that on like the front cover of the magazine to do a big, you know, PR splash around that, you know, to work with journalists to do, you know, maybe even some paid advertising around that, knowing that the dollars that we had budgeted, you know, were going to be used heavily that fall, mm-hmm. which meant that later in the spring, we might not, you know, have as many resources to talk about some of the farmer focused efforts later on, or, you know, we might have to look at trimming budgets in other places, but, you know, those are exciting moments <laughs> that we all want. Like, so we decided to go for it. Right. Um, and so we looked at budgets and I looked at Excel and I ran the numbers and, you know, looked at the opportunities, you know, for the organization. Yeah. Like, let's go for this. This is exciting. Like we need to capitalize on it. So that was right. sort of, it was a fun meeting um, and a fun opportunity just to, to go for it. I was kind of in the same boat <laughs> last year. My boss came to me, my former boss, and said, said, you have a line item in the budget under advertising and marketing, and what are you going to do with it? And I just like, I'm, I've never done a budget in my life. <laughs> That's not something I did in journalism school. And I think the point then of um, a true leader is acknowledging what you don't know and immersing yourself in that topic. So I would lean towards other um, communicators that are in my position. How do you do a budget? How do you line these items up? How do you plan for the next year? And I learned a lot. So I think that's something in association communications is you wear more than one hot hat, not necessarily always a communications hat, but being that resource when it falls underneath the communication, such as being a budget or event planning or something along the lines of that. And I think that's where AA is so helpful. And I think, you know, even establishing a good network of people, knowing who you can call when you get into those situations, I think is great. And I think there's, you know, it's a lot of fun to try to figure things out. I think a lot of us, I don't know, I went to communications because I was curious because I wanted to get asked questions or I wanted to ask questions and I wanted to figure out how to get paid to do them. So to me, if you're curious, and I think a lot of the good leadership traits that we have as, you know, reporters and as communicators pay off in other ways and can really help us, you know, add value to our organizations as well, just mm-hmm. because of how we think about things or because we're paying attention to right. what's happening. But Amy, one of the things we were talking um, beforehand, before we started recording, was all the different unique experiences that um, communicators and associations get to experience. Um, Is there anything that comes to mind, um, a certain story or certain experience that you want to share with others just to show them your job and then how um, elaborate it can be? Yeah, I think there's a lot of good examples. And I think as communicators, sometimes we get, you know, bogged down in the day-to-day but we should never forget how, you know, interesting or how fun our jobs can be at times. So for every, you know, hours we're spent trying to analyze budgets or, you know, copy edit a piece or try to figure out how to, you know, contact sources, mm-hmm. there are some exciting moments. And I remember several years ago, one of the things that I never thought that I would end up doing is that we had a reporter from China, this was before the trade war, that contacted us and that, they wanted to interview soybean producers. We later found out that this Chinese media person was the equivalent of the Oprah in China. Oh. So sort of an interesting situation. And I think we've been contacted by the United States Soybean Export Council. And they were looking for a couple of farmers to talk to. And the reporter was going to be in Chicago. And we happened to be having a meeting in Chicago at the same time. 
So in all the times of things I ever thought about doing is I never thought they would find myself in the position of preparing farmers to talk about consumer issues. And I think this was about GMO and non-GMO perceptions with a talk show host from China. So I think when I started in the job, I'm like, oh, my job will be to write press releases about soybean farmers and I'll be like working on a website about soybean producers and, you know, I'll travel the state and I'll get to meet with them. And then, you know, like within two or three short years after that, it's like, oh my God, like I'm not just talking to Chicago consumers, right? but we're talking to Chinese consumers and I have to prepare the board members for that. So that comes to mind. I think, you know, another thing is I was in Chicago earlier this week for Chicago Ideas Week. And this is an event, it's sort of like a South by Southwest, but it takes place in Chicago. And so we did a lab session up there and we wanted to bring a farmer in. Well, it's, you know, it's harvest. So it's not always easy to get a farmer to Chicago to talk with people, but we were able to do a station where we did FaceTime with a farmer and Steve Pitsick, who's one of our board members and very active on Instagram and Twitter was, um, was a farmer. So it's amazing that, you know, with technology now, I had an iPad and we used Zoom and I was able to connect Steve and he was standing out in a soybean field and you could see the combine behind him. And we were able to do like a live chat, like a FaceTime with a farmer at Humboldt Park in Chicago and Steve was out in Maple Park. So, you know, that's just a recent example, but that's kind of cool when you can help connect people and you can use technology to your advantage and you can listen to their questions. And I took some soybean plants, you know, from a field and people could look at them and touch them, but just to see the questions that they had for Steve and to see Steve's reaction and just to be able to, you know, facilitate that, you know, that interaction, you know, that was kind of a fun day and just something so simple. Um, you know, and again, 10 or 15 years ago, we didn't have the technology to do that, right. but now it's amazing what we can do. So it's just it's a lot of fun. You just got to appreciate where you are. Right, exactly. And along those lines, I keep thinking of how cool it is to explore these new out-of-the-box ideas, whether it is talking with a Chinese reporter or um, being able to Facebook live in somewhere and how do you navigate these emerging media trends as a um, association communicator? I think again, you know, it comes back to knowing your audience. I think it comes back to listening and it comes back to trying to figure out what are the different ways to engage people. I was at a discussion yesterday about journalism as part of Chicago Ideas Week and we were talking about, you know, like how journalism has changed. And how can we as communicators navigate this social media space? And I think that one of the things is sometimes you just experiment and you see what works and you see what doesn't work and you do your best to learn from it. But I think it's also, you know, a balance of using programs that have worked well. I think, you know, in agriculture, you know, print publications remain strong. I think, you know, a lot of farmers still listen to radio you know, but we're trying to see more engagement on Twitter with farmers. So that's a place that, you know, we're trying to intentionally engage more in. We've seen that a focused event works really well. Um, Webinars are one of those things that we've had tremendous success with. And so I think once you start to see a little bit of success with something, you know, you start to figure out like how to make it better and, and how to use more of that. And that certainly helps balance. And I also look to other industries. I'm fascinated by how other industries communicate, whether, you know, it's learning about sustainability from the forestry industry or, you know, I look to healthcare and they're serving a lot of the same audiences that we're serving, which is, you know, like people in rural areas, um, you know, who are across different ages, who use different forms of technology. So how else can we learn from others? And I think there's just a lot to be learned when we just open our minds and 
sometimes it's just fun to see what other people are doing too. That's what I like to do. Being in um, the Chamber of Commerce world right now and serving businesses, um, I've taken some ideas from ag to business or business back to ag, like, and seeing what works and what doesn't. I think you said it perfectly when it's, you need to experiment, see what reaches your audience, see what connects with them, and seeing how you can run with it. And I think, too, just being involved in other organizations, it's a great way to test things or to see what resonates for the average person and you know I like the chamber of commerce connection I think you know ag is part of a business community as well mm -hmm. and and how do you connect and, and how do you learn and you know I think in some of those discussions when you stretch yourself you find some you know some interesting connections and some things that maybe you hadn't thought about before it's just to me it's fascinating you can tell I get excited about a lot of things so yeah. I just I think the idea to learn from different people and just to explore and and I think, too, you know, part of my job and part of association communicators' jobs is helping connect people. So, you know, part of my job is to help farmers understand, like, on the sustainability front, why do companies like Walmart and Unilever and, like, Kroger, why do they care about sustainability? But it's also important for me to make sure that, you know, other companies or work with other nonprofits that the farmers' voices also share that. So when they're looking at implementing programs that, there's a practical application for growers and so you don't develop something that, that won't be successful. Right. So Amy, as a association communicator, um, membership organizations, what's your best tip in reaching membership? And instead of membership, it could be reader, it could be social media follower. What's your best tip in reaching those people? I think one of the things we have to do is kind of understand your audience and understand what motivates them and connect personally. Mm -hmm. And I think those personal connections make a big difference. And I think, you know, we found even through some of our work with Illinois Farm Families or other programs or Center for Food Integrity, you know, if you can develop trust with people, then they're going to be open to listening to your ideas. And just finding ways to relate to people, I think, makes a big difference. And, you know, when it comes to membership, you know, I would encourage all of our AEA at the Ag Communicators Networks members you know, find somebody who isn't a member and ask them, um, just talk to them, because I think we all want to feel like we're part of something, we all, but it feels good when somebody asks us, because then I feel like, oh, like somebody values me enough to get me involved, and I know, you know, like when I look back at how I got involved in the organization, I certainly heard about it when I was in college, but, you know, with somebody like Steve Werblow, who we met at my first Ag Media Summit, was up in Minneapolis probably about 10 years ago, I was new, and I didn't know anybody, and I was kind of being quiet and I was just kind of listening and observing and then Steve introduced himself to me and you know we started talking and I learned more that Steve was really into photography and you know we both discussed how sometimes you know, like if we're out in the cornfield or if we're outside we just notice the spider webs or you know, like we you know notice the small things and then Steve talked to me and got to know Steve and mm -hmm. later on he was like hey he's like we're looking for somebody to be chair of the program committee for Agnes, and I'm like, what? Like, what does this involve? Like, what's my time commitment? He's like, here's what it is, and it's doable. But, you know, if somebody like Steve hadn't talked to me or hadn't encouraged me to get involved, I think it would have been tougher, and I might have not gotten involved as quite as early on. But I think what that teaches me is that you only need one person um, who believes in you or who sees your potential. So, another, you know, thing if people are working with people, um, find that one person who you can make a difference with, and find that one person that you that you see potential in. And, uh, you know, encourage them to get involved because sometimes that's all they need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I always like to tell people from my membership perspective, it's about creating an environment 
for you to network with others and build those relationships. So in the same connection that you were saying, finding that one person, it's always good to have that buddy system or have that person that just understands and wants to help you grow as well in your professional career. Yeah, I think this helps tremendously. And then I think also, you know, if you know, introduce people to each other. And I think those are where the fun connections can come through. And I think, you know, if I think about how I've benefited as an AA member, that's certainly one of the ways is just the connections. It's the professional development. What I love about AA and like how it helps me as an association communicator is I love the technical information. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that we can get into the nitty gritty, you know, pieces of communications and we can talk about trends and, you know, Mm -hmm. copy editing and those people like get it. Like you talk to them, it's like, oh, like I get it. Like I understand that challenge. And I think that to me is one of the true benefits is just, you know, having that network of connection and people who understand what you're going through, who can relate to you. And I think there's that, that strong balance too in AEA, you know, that really serves different people's needs. I think if we look at association communicators and, you know, even our other members, I think that's what I love about the organization. I think that's the potential it has for people is that it can help you kind of no matter what you're doing. So if you're a designer or if you're a writer, if you're working on association communications, you know, if you're trying to fine tune your skills and you're just looking for opportunities to learn, I think more than other organizations I've been a part of, AEA really combines that professional development, those networking opportunities and those opportunities to really grow and to expand just to meet other people too. Right. And that's, that's why I hold Ag Media Summit so dearly to my heart. Like I make sure I'm there every year because I always meet someone new. I always learn something new and the network you build just keeps growing year after year after year. And it's truly a network I couldn't imagine living without. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way you do. I feel very like sentimental and just very appreciative of the opportunities that events like Ag Media Summit provide. And you know, I think we're all trying to balance our careers and, you know, like as an association communicator, um, our board meetings at least almost always fall during Ag Media Summit week. And so on more than one occasion, I have taken a red-eye flight, especially when Ag Media Summit was on the West Coast. I think I took like a red-eye flight out of like New Mexico, um, like late, flew overnight because we had to do board member media training the next morning. And I really enjoy Ag Media Summit and I love the people there and I can't imagine missing it. But I also recognize that, you know, my job as an association communicator is to serve our board members and to make sure that I'm a good employee. So uh, don't be afraid to take the red eye flight. It's worth it to be involved with the events and just, sometimes you just go with it, right? You just kind of embrace it. And um, I think people really appreciate that effort. And yeah, I was tired during the meeting the next day, but I think, you know, our board members understood because the value that I can bring to Mm -hmm. is connections and, and professional development and, Ag Media Summit is one of those events. It always gets me excited about the upcoming year. And even the regional events have that same effect, too. So I don't know how others feel, but I always, you know, get energized when I'm around other communicators. And I think that's another value organization. It's just that excitement that it creates with each other. First, one thing I want to mention is I think everyone should take a red-eye flight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you need to do it just once, right? Like Just once. Just one more time. You can always sleep at some point <laughs> later. But, uh, um, yeah, that's another thing, too. Just, you know, you, sometimes you train yourself to sleep on flights. I'm lucky that way. but I'm slowly getting there. <laughs> I, I, can, I have some tips for you. Listen to some music. Um, Okay. So one thing as association communicator, like people say, oh, one day is never the same, but it's so true. 
for this profession. Like literally one day, like one day I could be doing a video. The next day I'll be out with members. Like that's what I like that there's not too much routine in this because you are wearing all the hats. You're serving different roles and truly never gets boring in my opinion. <laughs> I don't think I've ever gotten bored in our organization and I like variety. If you like variety, this is a good career for you. If you like things to be the same every day, I wouldn't recommend it. But you know, like, and I remember there was one day, this was a couple, probably about uh, like a year and a half ago when the China tariff stuff broke and I was at a meeting for the Center for Food Integrity and had flown into Orlando, had gotten in late at night, like one in the morning, my hotel room wasn't working, I had to have an escort to my room, got up, oh, I had like an early morning breakfast meeting at around like six that morning with our communications manager, with Rachel. You know, I was pretty tired, and I was just like, yeah, I'm starting to see some news about, uh, like, what's going to be happening with the China trade situation. I'm like, oh, like, that's interesting. Like, not sure what's going to happen. Um, like, we'll watch it within two and a half hours of that meeting. You know, like, why, again, I'm supposed to be at a Center for Food Integrity meeting and supposed to be listening to consumer trends. I'm now in the, working in the hallway um, trying to figure out what's going on with the trade situation, you know, who are our key spokespeople going to be? What is the main point that we're going to convey? Working with national organizations, trying to figure out what they know, what kind of media calls they're getting. And I think those are moments that, you know, stand out in, you know, in variety. And I'm sure that throughout the day, I was also getting questions about what we're doing with biodiesel or, you know, proofreading magazine stories that may have been coming out. So every day is never the same. But I think that's part of the fun of it as well. And I think, you know, even when I was working as a reporter, you know, like I was never working on the same story at once. And I was always balancing five or six different stories at once. And that was sort of the fun. Um, for some people, it might be the chaos, but for me, that was the fun. Right. For me, it's, I would rather do that than twiddle my thumbs. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I, I am totally with you. Yeah, I don't think I've ever <laughs> sit around and like, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do today. So it's a fun, it's a fun career. Amy, before I get to my last couple of questions, is there anything else about association communications that you want to convey to our audience? Yeah, I think with association communications, like one of the things that makes it unique is the role of the board members and making sure that you work closely with them just to understand like what's important to them. And to also, you know, we do a lot of work helping our board members understand issues and making sure that they are prepared for interviews and that they are comfortable with things and getting to know them and getting to know their voice as well. So I think, you know, you look at that and then you look at certainly, you know, your role is putting information out and then also trying to figure out what other mediums to work with. Mm -hmm. But there's also a great network and each commodity group has like, we have soybean state communicators who you get to know well over time. And that to me is what makes it fun too, is just to talk to people and see what their approaches are. And I would say too, you know, association communicators are different. Um, we vary across the country and it depends a lot on our organizations and how big we are, or how small we are, or what the priorities are. So I wouldn't think that one association communicator is just like this other, but we certainly share that, you know, that common goal of putting good information out that's accurate, that's factual, that, you know, helps our constituents. Um, but also that idea of like working with board members and working with other staff as well. It puts you right, boots on the ground. It's boots on the ground work. It it absolutely is, and it's trying to figure out what's going to work one day, and just because something works one day doesn't mean it's going to work the next year, and it's being sensitive, too, to what's going on and to helping people understand, you know, like, what's going on with the ag economy or, 
you know, what's happening day to day and being patient, I think is another good key attribute because yeah, you might want to get a quote approved for something right now, but you know, if somebody's in the middle of harvest, you just have to be a little bit more patient with that, right. which I think is something that we can all relate to. Amy, one of the things while I was preparing for this interview, I looked at the um, calendar. It's our 20th episode and we're in October. And this is the time of the year where people start reflecting on the past year because um, we're so close to the end of the year. Is there anything that comes to mind or any stories as we look towards the end of 2019? Can you share and how that led to maybe your biggest career lesson you've learned? I think one of the biggest career lessons that I've learned, especially the last year, is just is listening. And we went through a major rebranding effort over the past year for our magazine, for the organization. Um, we, we've redone our website. We've changed our color palette. Again, we've really tried to focus on how do you visually portray innovation and forward thinking while still making sure that we are sensitive to what's happening in agriculture right now. And, you know, patience is a, is a key thing to learn because we were working with a lot of different people who had a lot of different thoughts and a lot of different inputs, um, you know, and, and I think that's key is just listening. And I've done more listening in probably the last year and a half than I did before. And, you know, trying to figure out, like, what's really important to people. And when they're asking something, maybe they say, hey, I don't like that color. I want the color changed. Well, do they really want the color changed or uh, do they just want to try to convey something in a different way or asking you know what is the intent of what they're thinking because I think as communicators and I was you know the more we can listen the better and mm -hmm. it was at a discussion again yesterday morning listening to journalists talk and they're like the role of the journalist sometimes is to listen mm -hmm. and it's not always to be the loudest voice but it's it's how do you listen how do you know what's going on so that um, is key I think also another thing is just being flexible I remember a long time ago, somebody told me that just because it's not the way that I would do something doesn't mean it's not good work. And that's something else that I try to keep in mind, especially when we're working with different personalities or, you know, if we're working with people who are working on a story or a design, maybe it's not the design or maybe it's not the story that we thought it would be that we had envisioned in our head. But asking ourselves, is it good work? You know, is it a good story? Is it a good design? And if the answer is yes, and being flexible to just go with it um, and to be proud of that work as well. Right. And back to your point about listening, um, I feel like as a communicator in an association, the best stories come from listening to our members just in that everyday environment. Like I've gotten yeah. so many stories I could tell that I put into the bucket to save for maybe a later day when I need them but truly listening and seeing what their concerns or victories or successes are um, can be a tool that you can use. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think just, you never know when those story ideas are gonna come in play. Like when I take notes and I use my iPad a lot for taking notes, at the beginning of something I'll usually have something that says like story ideas and that way I can go back and search. But that's where I put in like the good tidbits of things that I've heard or the things that sparked my creativity. And I think, you know, there was a good discussion yesterday and the last day before that about storytelling versus the narrative and how do those pieces pull together and you know, like, what is the narrative that you want to tell? What is the story that you want to tell? How can you humanize mm -hmm. something? But it's always great when you can go back and you can like do a quick search for story ideas and right. you can find the ones that like you might not have remembered, but like, Oh, yeah, like that'll totally work now. Like now's a good way that we can approach this or 
you know, here's a different way that somebody else told the same story over and over again. Um, I heard a story once about like how to grow more weeds, and I think it won a award, but it was just a humorous take. Instead of, you know, we talk about how we get rid of weeds, but different perspective of kind of a cynical piece, but like, what would it, what would it take to grow more weeds? Sort of like a, like, not, what not to do. So those are kind right. of fun pieces too. Amy, if people don't know, you are also the co-chair of the membership committee for AAEA. Is there anything you want to share from that side of the aisle? Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about membership. And I, one of the things that I'm pretty passionate about, too, with AAEA, and, you know, Mike Wilson is the co-chair, and Mike and I had our annual membership meeting, which was at Fire and Progress Show, in a golf cart on the last day. So it's always kind of fun to sit there and, and talk. But from a membership standpoint, you know, some of the things that we are really trying to focus on is the state approach. And, you know, I looked at the membership numbers, and there's some states that we have a really strong membership, but there's other states that we're not as strong. So we're trying to establish um, groups or people that can reach out to other people in their state to, you know, this is where we could use everybody's help. Is if you know somebody that joined last year, if you know somebody that has joined recently, you know, thank them for being a member and find out, like, what their membership you know, value is and let us know. Send me an email or shoot me a text and let me know what they're learning. But if we can make each other feel welcome and, you know, really try to foster that value of, hey, we're all in this together. It's really great that we're all here. I think that helps. The other thing that we need help with is if you know of people who have changed jobs or who are not a member, send us that contact information. Um, LinkedIn is great for finding people, but sometimes people switch jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, or they switch careers. It would be really helpful if people could help us know, or if you switch jobs, <laughs> send the AEA office or send me a note and say, hey, this is what I'm doing now and here's my contact information. That would help us a lot. So again, if I had to summarize that, one is like, let's make, you know, our new members and other members feel welcome. Uh, if you know people who are not a member in your state, please reach out to them and encourage them to join and, you know, tell them why you enjoy membership. And then to, you know, like if you change roles or, you know, if you know of other people in your organization who would want to be a member, please reach out to us. So we're always happy to answer their questions. And, you know, cause I know you and I have both benefited a lot from our membership and oh, have yeah. gotten a lot out of it. And I, I think there's just so much that we can do to help each other. And I get really excited. We have special interest groups now, which I think are a great addition to helping people and, um, you know, we're looking forward to the 100th anniversary next yes. spring and Ag Media Summit right. next summer. So lots of exciting things lots are coming up. I just love the sense of community that it brings. I think at the end of the day, what for associations too, it's that sense of community, that sense of belonging with other people that are in the same boat as you. Yeah, and I think, you know, the Ag journalists and the Ag communicators, that's vital that we have that support for each other because there's some things that other people Maybe we won't understand, but uh, together, we can all work together and think about how we can help each other out, too. Right. And if anyone could see me on the video right now, I'm waving my hands up in the air and saying, yes, send that information to them. Because someone that collects information for a membership organization, that is vital. <laughs> so yeah. that we have updated records. So send the info in, people. If, you, if your best friend's not working at an agency anymore and they're send them that information because it's always helpful that we can stay up to date and that way um, people can connect as well and um, to see how you're doing and how they can be a resource. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a great tip. And even if you think we might know, send it to us anyway. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I'm still here. I've been here five years. I haven't moved yet. So. Amy, where can people follow your work and connect with you online? There are a couple different places. One is you can follow our website. So org is a great place. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as 
at Amy Rohde. You can find me on Twitter at Amy Rohde as well. And then if you want to find out what I do when I'm not working, um, my Instagram page is open as well. You might see a lot of photos of, like, like when I run, I love to take photos. So that's sort of yeah. how I get my photography fixed in quite a bit. But, um, again, illsway.org is a great spot. LinkedIn, you can follow me on Twitter. And I'm happy to engage with people, too. Or, you know, if you're stopping, if you're coming through Bloomington or if you're in Illinois, let me know. I'm always happy to meet with people or go out to coffee or, you know, grab lunch. So yeah. if you're in central Illinois, feel free to let me know. Awesome. See, there's that network again from what you can establish from an organization like AEEA or any other association for that matter. Yeah, I think that's what's great too. I know sometimes when I travel for work, I'll try to connect with other members just mm-hmm. to see how they're doing. And I, that's the kind of fun part too. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast to talk about association communications. Like Amy said before, follow her on ilsoy.org and on all the social media channels. So thanks again, Amy. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, um, you know, kudos everybody too. And thanks for your support throughout the year. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the AdCom Network podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and now Spotify. Just search the AdCom Network podcast. Until next time, thanks so much for hanging out with me. This has been an Ag Communicators Network podcast. Thanks for listening. And please visit us online at agcomnetwork.com for more great content.